go for it. Risk the failure. Do something different because different stands out. And in our business, even a little bit of different, just a dash of different sets you apart. Welcome everybody to the Foremost Media Marketing Chat Podcast. We're excited to talk today. We've got John Ballard and Evan Facinger here from Foremost Media. And we've also got Nikki Johnson as well with us. I am super excited about having Nikki on. Nikki and I basically grew up in this industry together. I mean, we've both been at it 25 plus years. Nikki is the director of marketing over at Domino North America. Great company. We've done quite a bit of work with them and uh, continue to be a great partner of ours. Um, they're in the coding, marketing, and labeling industry. And uh, Nikki is a real veteran in this industry of, of, of coding and marketing. She's on the board for Contract Packaging Association. She's been a longtime member of PMMI and all the companies she's been with. And she's also on the trade show committee. And she just has a wealth of information about marketing. And she's one of the most, honestly, most creative marketers I've ever met. We've done some really cool stuff together over the years. And uh, I just love working with her. So welcome, Nikki. It's great to have you. Well, goodness. Thank you, John. Um, and the feeling is quite mutual. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. So I got to back up like, I don't know, this is going back old school, Nikki. I think one of the first projects we ever did was we wanted to come up with something really unique for Pack Expo. Remember this, where I'm going with this? Well, there you could be referring to a couple of different things. <laughs> the one that really sticks out in my mind is there was this this game game called uh, Guitar Hero, and we wanted to capitalize on that. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came up with this idea and what we did? Yeah, boy, that is a blast from the past. Um, I, I want to say that our theme um, was um, well. Let me let me back up. At the time, I was with Foxjet, and our theme was. Uh, I think Foxjet Rocks or something along those lines. The um, the organization sold through distribution, so it was kind of less about us and more about our distribution uh, channel partners and how awesome they were serving you know their their local territories around the globe. So we put together something that we thought would be a standout and a heck of a lot of fun. And I think. If memory serves me, we did some fun things in the booth with with act with the actual game, um, but but even as a uh, pre-show and probably post-show uh, activity was was a um, another game that it was it was something you guys created for us digitally. It was it was an online um, game, and and I seem to recall. It was how fast you could fill the box or code the box or, or, or something along those lines. And I think it was the same year, but I could, I could have that wrong. Like I said, we've done a lot of really cool things over the years uh, with, with Foremost. And um, yeah, I, I think I'm referring to the one that, that you have in mind. Yeah, it was a, from what I remember, it was like a game where you coded to music, kind of like Guitar Hero. Yep, that's exactly what it was. And, um, and boy, we, we did get a lot of engagement uh, uh, around that. And if I'm trying to think of what year that was, John, but it was quite a long time ago in <laughs> something that was very very unique back in the day uh, because uh, things are usually pretty mundane in in our space uh, meaning there's just 
you know, a lot of um, feeds and speeds and specifications and not a whole lot of fun. So I, I, I remember that one being quite the attention getter. Yeah, I was thinking, I hope Nikki doesn't get fired. This is not really this industry. We had concert t-shirts and all sorts of crazy stuff going on in the booth. And mm -hmm. it was amazing. I mean, you guys had people packed in there all, all show along. And from what I remember, it was really successful. So that was my uh, one of my first favorite projects with Nikki. But anyway, I'm going way off script here. But <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is we don't really have a script. So I guess that works out then anyway. <laughs> I was gonna say it really does speak to how creative Nikki is and we've done a lot of weird and crazy and fun exciting things like this and some have been really successful and you know some have just been kind of flat but the most part you know she's got a great marketing mind and comes up with some amazing ideas so it's been a pleasure to work with you over the years and thanks for being on. Thanks. So I'm curious then Nikki uh, in regards to just marketing at a manufacturing company in general you, you mentioned you know that the industry right a lot of specifications not a lot of fun uh, guitar hero type of marketing campaigns that are going on what do you wish everyone understood about you know being a marketer at, a, at an industry like yours yeah you know um, I think it boils down to the fact that we're still selling and marketing to individuals right like i think it's 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 easy to understand that in a b2c environment in b2b um i think traditionally it, it's just viewed as something that's got to be um kind of clinical and or technical you know lacking personality and i think it's a real miss to to be honest because we're still selling one-to-one -one. we still have buyers who have to make you know an emotional connection and, and i know it sounds crazy because we're selling machines that do a job but at the end of the day the person who who buys the equipment needs to have a comfort level that this thing is going to make me look good um, this, this machine is going to make my job easier. It really does come down to the needs of the individual in combination with the needs of the project or the application or, you know, the objectives um, from an operation standpoint. But at the end of the day, we're selling to people and that's my approach. I, I try to add an element of personalization um, that human side to just about everything we do on the marketing side. Yeah, and I think that that definitely shows with some of the different campaigns that you've done over the years. Uh, and you've got a, a ton of experience, you know, I know that you've been doing this for what is it, over 20 years. So have you noticed any, I guess, what is the biggest change that you've seen in the industry in your career? Um, you know, I'd say the most significant shift that's notable recently is the change in in the buyer traditionally we've had i guess your stereotypical engineer as our buyer right and along with that comes a lot of of history and expectations of what it is they're um, looking like what messages resonate with them and for a long time i think everybody was afraid to move outside of that box. So, so now 
the shift is a generational shift. So we've got millennials that are now in the engineering seat that are making the decisions. And to be honest, the way they buy is night and day different than the previous generation. So I think companies like Domino and, and others that I've worked for are forced to market differently because we've got a whole new group of buyers that is is just completely different. So I, I would say that's probably the biggest change from a market perspective is the buyer. So with the buyer changing so much, what do you think that you need to start doing in the industry to start you know, capitalizing on that shift? So a couple of things. And, and the first one I would say isn't necessarily a huge change as it relates to this new buyer, but millennials clearly are efficient at researching on the web, right? Like they're, they're able to dig in and understand digital content and information, maybe in a different way than our previous buyer to a point. Um, I would also say, and, and these are things that I guess maybe are conclusions that I've come up with and I have no science to back it up, but it's just my, uh, I guess, crystal ball talking. But the, the other element that goes along with this sort of research ability and, and how they navigate technical information, they also value partnerships and I don't know if partnership is the right way or the right word, but they value ex finding expertise with the people around them. So, um, and I kind of relate it to this sort of gig economy and their comfort level of farming things out. Well, I don't know how to do that, but I got a guy that I think I, I, that I could, that I could engage with who's an expert here. So I think the millennial generation, our current buyer, is um, prone to seeking out experts and people who can help them. The third thing that I would say is important is it seems that th this new buyer has a, um, a sense of caring in, in that they, they want to know that the company that they're working with has similar values. And again, this is completely, well, I think it's very foreign to what we've known historically. Um, I, I think buyers want to know, you know, what is our position, position on sustainability? What are, um, how do our solutions help them uh, be more sustainable? You, you know, there are all sorts of, of, of elements of, of SR, if you will, that are important to, to these types of buyers now. So big change. Well, and do you think the two, like those last two are related somewhat too? Because if you have, you know, that network effect where you're looking to build out your network, you have people and experts that you trust and you like the gig economy side of things that you mentioned where you feel comfortable sending, you know, certain work to certain people based on knowing them, based on trusting them and their expertise. You know, also the same thing with the companies. You want to find that company to work with that you trust because they're they're doing good. They have that sustainability, and and those two things kind of work together. 
100%. Absolutely. I think this idea of working with partners and companies with shared value systems is at the top of the list. And, and this is a lesson or, or a, something that I think, you know, everybody sort of um, navigates to, even if they don't do it purposefully. And a prime example of that is me working with Foremost, to be real honest, you know, um, um, immediately I felt that John and I were consistently on the same page with our ideas, our position, and that made things very, very easy. The difference I think today, 20 some odd years later, is that discussion is open and it's more of, tell me about your value system, instead of it just sort of kind of coming to life and, and, and learning of it, it, it's a discussion up front. I want to know about your organization. Tell me about your people. Tell me about your position on this, this, or this. It's a thing um, and very different. I was going to say, I think one of the things I've noticed too, back to your earlier point is a lot of times people want to do all that research and watch the videos and they're almost at the buying point when they reach out to you now, you know, with video and, and, you know, content being king on, on search engines. So we've really seen that change over the years. You know, it used to be that, you know, people just didn't want to put anything out there because they were afraid their competitors would see how their equipment worked. And now I think you've got to have all that out there. Cause like you said, Nikki, millennials want to do all that pre-research and then they want to get into, okay, this, this is a product will work, but who's behind it. You're hundred percent right, John. And as a matter of fact, my team has just been recently, um, working towards an understanding activity that's more at the bottom of the marketing funnel, almost touching sales. Um, A lot of business development, detective work, really seeking out those opportunities that are ready to pop um, and serving up that uh, decision enabling content right at the right time. That's really where we're, we're trying to improve and, and really understand. And, and that's where technology uh, comes into play, right? Because we can identify um, certain behaviors and, and triggers as it relates to engagement with our content. And, and it's, it's about building out that pattern and understanding, oh, 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 now is the time when, they're, when, this, when this buyer is about ready to make a decision. And this work is hard and it's, and it's, it's different, um, but it is something that we've absolutely got our eye on and want to get more efficient at. Yeah, I think sales has always been timing, right? And now there's a lot of you know, software to help with that, especially with everybody leaving their digital footprint as they start to do their research and everything else. Are you using any sort of uh, I guess like uh, uh, like what's your tech stack look like for kind of compiling that information and, and making sure that you you understand the intents and where somebody's at uh, in the stage of the buying cycle? Yeah, um, you know I I probably am going to be um, I guess probably a, a a little bit less thorough than than I should be to give you you know a, a list of all the tools, but. You know, I'd say one one of the things that points directly to what I talked about and in this idea of understanding the engagement and how people are reacting with our content 
is uh, something called Ringside. So Domino is, um, our global headquarters is in the UK and um, they, the group usually is able to provide us with a lot of the tools that we deploy throughout the globe. And Ringside is, is one of them. And it's something that we, we've got a lot of learning to do around, but again, critical mm -hmm. to this activity that I mentioned just a bit earlier. Um, and then, of course, uh, we, we use the, the tools that are associated with Salesforce, including Pardot, and then your, your typical suspects that, that give us the analytics that have been tried and true as a uh, part of Google and, and those things. So we, we, we are blessed with a lot of tools in our arsenal. The work now is around using them all in the right way to meet our objectives. Nick, you kind of nailed it. You know, there's so many great tools out there. The hard part is getting, figuring out how to use them and how to get them to work together and how to get the timing down and engage with customers at the right time. So. Yes. Yes. It's key. And, and that's exactly where we're headed. Yeah. So it's exciting. It's something new to work on. And that's, that's what I love about this business. And would you say that's the biggest challenge that you see facing the, the industry as a whole from a marketing perspective in the next five years? Yeah, from, from a marketing perspective, certainly, certainly. And, and almost, you know, including what I've said before about this change in the buyer, but, but even, I guess, maybe a bigger obstacle is related to the way technology is and how fast it moves. So years ago, it wouldn't be unheard of that you had a state-of-the-art product that truly was head and shoulders above a competitor. And, and you had that, um, I guess, that position for, for a clip of time and you could ride that horse. Now, that is absolutely not the case. So the challenge is differentiation, right? Like it's how, how do I stand out amongst a sea of competitors that truly have products that are as good is the products that we offer. Um, I, I really feel like that is the bigger challenge um, because again, the days of, of having something just super whiz bang for, for a long time, it, it just doesn't really happen that much anymore in, in our world. There are a lot of providers that make quality and reliable equipment. So how do we position ourselves differently and again, I go back to what we started talking about, and that's that human element, right? It's not really about the product. It's about how we sell the product. It's about how we service the product and all of those programs, right? Those commercial programs that we build out, our goal is how do we take better care of the customers and, and keep them coming back and seeing the value in the programs that we're offering. Again, less about the product. So I'd say that's the biggest challenge is just trying to stand out from the rest of the really good manufacturers out there. Yeah, no, I, I totally see that, right? Because there's that influx of being able to find a lot of the, I don't want to say similar, right? Because there's always going to be 
you know, differences and reasons to choose one versus the other. But a lot of times as everything gets built out, as competition increases, you know, those lines start to blur, especially when their go-to-marketing strategy is simply specifics. Like you were mentioning that they're not talking about any of the, the personal side of things. Right, right. I mean, the days, you know, and, and a lot of folks are still stuck, stuck in this mode where um, let's take print ads, for instance, those are still a thing. Um, and I believe it. I, I, we participate in, in print advertising, but there, there are a lot of um, uh, manufacturers who still will, you know, they'll put a picture of their big piece of metal as the center attention getting item where I, I sort of disagree with that. Nobody really wants to see another hunk of metal that goes faster or does this better, you know, like talking about speeds and feeds and specs and, and that very industrial sort of image imagery is just in my mind passe. Um, and, and I just like to take a different approach. Well, so who do you think is doing a great job with their marketing right now from the industrial side of things? Oh, man, that's a really hard question. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I think Domino is one of the best marketing companies out there, to be honest, and you have been for a while. Um, you guys are well, ahead of the competition and willing to try new things. And You know, there's always room for improvement, John. Um, and here's, here's the challenge. I may be willing to take, take a risk and do things differently, but to be honest, it doesn't resonate sometimes with our more traditional buyers or all any of our buyers for that matter. I mean, it, it, it's kind of a hit or miss thing. So while I see it one way, our buyers have to be willing to accept that risk that we're taking, right? And, and relate to the messaging and the imagery that we, that we might use. So it's a balance and a, can be challenging. Yeah. Is there a marketing failure that's taught you uh, like the most? Oh, that's another really good question. Um, you know, one would be proof, proof and proof again, um, only because uh, especially, well, of course, with print or, uh, you know, a press release, you can't take it back. So um, I'm a, a bit of a, I'm a stickler for details and there are little things that sometimes you miss and um, it, it's happened to me over the years. It's happened to everybody. I'm, I'm certain over the years, but um, you know, having, having a second or third pair of eyes go through something that cannot be taken back is absolutely critical. Um, so I guess I'm pointing to a, a few failures over the years with that comment. Um, and, and the other I would say is um, attempting to make everybody happy. Marketing, even in the B2B space, the mark or the manufacturing space is emotional, like like I mentioned before. So many times everybody, feels like they're a marketer because they have an emotional response to a campaign or messaging. And so as such, people have an opinion, oh, it should be this way, or it should be that way. 
and it is absolutely impossible to make an entire team happy. And at some point you, you just simply have to draw a line and say, this is, this is how we're moving forward. And, and I would say, even for myself, let's say I produced a piece of content, finished happy with it. And a week later, I'll read it and say, oh shoot, I, I wish I would have stated this, or it should have maybe been a little bit more of that. It's a constant battle, but, um, at some point, a decision's just got to be made and, and you move forward. Well, I know that no matter how many emails that we send uh, or I've sent personally, you know, through some you know email marketing tools every time I, I hit the send or schedule or <laughs> whatever it is, I, I feel like I can feel my heart skip a few beats just hoping that there aren't any typos. No matter how many times it's been proofed by however many people, it's just something I don't think I'll ever grow out of. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, ironically, it's become more, um, I guess, accepted over the years because of uh, texting and in the very casual way communication is done these days. Um, so I guess it's a little bit less of a thing uh, than it was years back. But for me personally, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, no, for sure. And so failure wise, uh, you know, you've got that. What about the success? Is it the guitar hero that John was mentioning before? Is there something else that you're, you're real proud of? Yeah, you know, I would say my answer would include the, the guitar hero, which was kind of a novelty. I, I would say my general answer is taking the risk, right? Like, go for it and um, risk the failure. Um, and, and just in, do something different because different stands out. And in our business, um, I would say even a little bit of different, just a dash of different sets you apart. And, and so I always try to take that approach to just do the unexpected. Yeah. And I think you, I mean, you have to stand out. There's everybody's starting to see the content marketing side of things, right? I shouldn't say everybody, but we're starting to see this influx of content. And when there's always that influx of content out there, it all starts to look the same, right? So I think if you don't have something or an opinion or a reason to write about it, something that makes you unique and stand out, it's just, it's easy to become one of the masses from it, which, you know, does more to hurt you, I think, sometimes than not even having the content in the first place. Mm -hmm. Right. So are there certain channels that you're, you're focusing on most right now? Well, I, I must say it, it's a trade show because we have our largest annual trade show coming up here in less than 60 days, which is PAC Expo International. The show hasn't taken uh, place since 2018, so we expect this to be a big one. It's a huge investment for us. We are really, really focused on that right now. And of course, along with that, Evan, yeah. are the digital elements, right? The pre-show promotion. I, I, I mean, I, I would say that's the, um, the driver, but we're using all of our tools and methods to promote that show. Yeah, and you said you're expecting it to be a, a big one after, after the pause? Yes, absolutely. Um, it, it may even be the um, the largest pack expo yet. Um, it, it remains to be seen, but it sure is trending 
very nicely. One of the things I learned a lot about trade show marketing with Nikki is the importance of pre-show marketing and, and scheduling to get people to the booth and then, you know, marketing to them while they're at the show and then following up. And Nikki is a master at these, you know, all of this. And I think, you know, trade shows can still be a great driver of traffic if, if you're willing to put in the work. I think a lot of people just go to the show, show up and hope they get leads and, and you know, maybe follow up with the leads. But you know, Nikki's comp- Nikki's always been really aggressive at, you know, trying to figure out how to schedule appointments while at the show and drive, you know, drive engagement there. So. Yeah. And, and to be real honest, my, my objective is to create something memorable for a prospect or a customer. So when, when they're walking through this huge show, they remember being in our booth that they did something, they had a conversation, there, there, was, there was something that was fun or a takeaway that they went back and told their team about. That's really my goal when it comes to trade show. And we were kind of joking about the guitar hero, but, but that, that achieves that, right? Like, uh, and, and there've been a number of things that we've done over the years that did just that. And um, it, it's just always the goal with me. Are there any uh, good marketing related resources that you're currently getting your information from? Is how you're staying up to date with, with, with new marketing trends? Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> this is going to be an interesting answer, but I would say <laughs> I leave it to my late night or early morning harebrained ideas that I come up with myself. And then, and then I, I go out to validate them. And I usually will use my good partners to help me understand, hey, I've got this idea. Does it have legs? And I, I would bet that over the years that I have engaged John, it, you know, and foremost in this fashion, I, I don't know, dozens of times. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, re, I do read quite a bit and I take it in, but sadly it's, it's usually information that I already am aware of. And, and so I, I always think of, well, okay, yes, these are the basic things. How do I take it to the next level? And that's where these sort of harebrained ideas come up with and, and some of them actually take off. So again, taking those ideas validating them with experts in that particular methodology and deciding how to move forward with it or if I should move forward with it. Any, any favorite ideas that stick out that you never got buy-in for? Just oh. Somebody told you it was too crazy or could it be done? Well, one thing that we've, we've wanted to do even for this show was um, use augmented reality to create an experience we just couldn't get our arms around it to to understand how to position it and how to to make it something super cool so i've put it on the back burner until we can get that figured out and maybe we could do it for um you know an upcoming show in in the coming years well especially as the technology evolves with that as well right. you know and you start to be able to do more it starts to get easier and you're seeing a lot of that take 
take shape with, you know, e even the way that some of the cameras work on the phones now has even made a big impact there. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So I, I'd say that once, once I've got my mind set on something and it, it's, it's pretty solid, um, I usually can get, can get buy-in because I'll get, I get passionate about it and find a way to make it happen. So, um, I, I don't, I can't recall a time where I've been told no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Any, any commonly held, I guess, marketing belief that you just don't agree with something everybody in the industry is doing that you think is flat out wrong? What comes to mind, especially again in our industry that is that that usually focuses on features and speeds and feeds and specifications, I would say the the sort of myth that that I don't agree with is that you have to be crystal clear in your message. In other words, it's got to be very um, clinical and specific. I think the better way is, is to maybe leave something up to the imagination, respect the intelligence of the person who is consuming your content to pick up what you're putting down, right? Like you, you can leave something, you can present content that maybe is more clever than it is clear and get a better response or a better engagement. Well, and you you would know because I mean you've got the you've got the results to back it up, right? <laughs> well, not always, but we try it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of marketing is just you got to keep trying sometimes. I mean, I think we've always we've all had you know ideas that we thought for sure would work, look great on paper, but then you know the one that you, especially if you're testing it, the one that you didn't expect to to do the best that ends up doing better than the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, one thing that Nikki and I have done over the years too, is we're sounding boards for each other. When, when one of us has a crazy idea, we'll call the other and be like, Hey, what do you think of this idea? And sometimes the other person will talk and talk us out of it. Or sometimes they'll be like, that's great. Let's explore this. But you've ever thought of this. And I think in marketing, you need people around you like that, you know, like a Nikki Johnson or Evan for that matter. I mean, um, what that are just creative and, you know, you can just kind of bounce ideas off of, and I've appreciated that with, with Nikki over the years. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it, it's, it's super important. And in the magic, John is, and this is, this has happened between the two of us is that you, you, you take an idea to somebody that you can use as a sounding board and then they take it to the next level and make it even better. And, um, I think it's that collaboration that's, that's just really key and is at the root of all of my successful projects, even within my own team, you know, the teams that I've, that I've worked on and then outside uh, resources like yourself. Well, it's been great chatting with you. You've got a, you know, a ton of great insights, any parting information that you'd want to leave us and anybody listening with? Boy, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, admirable and passionate about folks entering our our industry you know young that generation the generation entering the workforce is an absolute wealth of knowledge and i guess 
my advice for other manufacturers out there is to listen to those individuals because they, they truly have the key, um, I think, to, to where we need to go and how we need to present ourselves. You know, again, I, I, you mentioned 25 plus years in the industry. I, I will never say that I know everything because not even close. And in, in, in as the years go by, I need more and more talented people to enter my circle to, to help me. And I, I have found that those folks of the age coming into to the workforce and into the industry are really, really um, helpful. Well, and they'll so, yeah. eventually be the buyers too, right? So the more you can learn from, from yeah. everybody yeah. entering the industry, the better off you'll be long-term. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again, Nikki. As always, pleasure talking with you, and I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Yeah, the pleasure was all mine, guys. I'm happy, happy to spend the time with you. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks for listening to the Foremost Media Marketing Chat Podcast. If you want to stay on top of your marketing game, make sure to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more episodes, show transcripts, and marketing insights, go to foremostmedia.com.